Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sat down for an exclusive interview with our Miami correspondent, Juan Mendoza. One of the issues they touched upon was the growing trend of Latinos leaving the Democrats in favor of the Republicans. Just wait till you hear what the governor had to say. Oh, and here we go again. A bunch of radical transgender nut bars and their soy boy allies managed to get a Dave Chappelle concert canceled at a Minneapolis concert venue. Apparently jokes that might be offensive would turn a comedy club into a unsafe space. What a joke indeed. High energy Andrew Chapados will weigh in on this latest gross example of cancel culture. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your letters about the huge turnout of demonstrators to last Saturday's protest at the Vaughn Mills Shopping Centre just north of Toronto. It was all in support of the Dutch farmers, farmers who are being threatened by their very own government. And if you think this story is about some faraway place that doesn't affect you, well, the Justin Trudeau Liberals, of course, they are planning to go to war with Canadian farmers, also in the name of climate change. Unbelievable. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. So now, Governor, one of the big things happening recently, too, is uh, a lot of the Latino community is leaving the Democratic Party. Republican Myra Flores won a congressional seat in a largely Latino district in South Texas that was a Democrat stronghold for around 100 years. We see Latinos in Florida moving Republican, too. Why do you think that's happening? Well, in Florida, I think there's a number of factors. I mean, one, you know, we have communities that have very close connections to the evils of Marxism, Leninism, whether it's Cuban Americans, whether it's people that have fled Venezuela, whether it's people that have fled Nicaragua. And the fact of the matter is you look at what Biden's doing, he's cozying up to all those people. And so I think that that really revolt is revolting to a lot of those communities. I also think the fact that Florida, you know, we kept the economy open. We had kids in school working class constituencies, which includes Latinos, not limited to that, of course, they were the ones that got killed by these lockdowns in California and Illinois and these places. And so we lifted them up, we protected jobs and we protected their kids' education. I think that was a huge thing. They also are, are, are constituencies that believe in law and order. And so here in the state of Florida, we've stood with law enforcement. We were not allowing rioting. Uh, we have um, I actually signed legislation banning any local government from defunding law enforcement. And that is just something that having a safe community is so important. The only people that like these Soros policies are like very uh, elite liberal white people, basically. No one else in the country wants any of this stuff. And so I think you're seeing that. Then I also think the woke ideology is really repelling uh, voters from all different demographics. But I think particularly when you look at a lot of the Hispanic community, I mean, if you tell you know a Hispanic grandmother that she's not a Latina, that she's a Latin X, she doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, this is lunacy what they're doing 
trying to tell people that men can get pregnant and all this stuff. So I think that's just like nails on the chalkboard. And you know, in politics, you wanna have policies that people agree with and that benefit them, but there's also just a basic test. If they think you're just off your rocker, they're not gonna to wanna to vote for you. And the woke Democratic Party is off its rocker. Well, folks, that was an excerpt from Juan Mendoza's exclusive interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And it's always a delight to hear from Governor DeSantis, the very definition of a straight shooter, a, polit a politician who means what he says and says what he means. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a concept. And joining me now is our Miami-based reporter, and that would indeed be Juan Mendoza. Hey, how you doing there, Juan? Pretty good, David. Uh, it's good to be back here in Miami. Well, that's fantastic. That is a place so many people want to be, especially people, I would argue, in blue states. But the excerpt we played pertained to a very noticeable trend that's occurring right now in Florida and other U.S. states, and that is Latinos are leaving the Democrats en masse for the Republicans. And I think the governor was bang on. A big reason for this crossing of the floor, if you will, is that many Latinos have fled Marxist regimes to become Americans. As well, many of these Latinos look at the policies of the Democrats and they realize this party is becoming increasingly Marxist in nature. What say you, my friend? Well, that is absolutely correct. So a lot of the Latino-based communities there, I mean, they've come from countries such as Cuba and Venezuela, which they've seen their instances of socialism and communism, and they just see the reality of what those ideologies and those political forms of government are. So they know what real uh, tyranny is. So that's why they came to the United States to begin with. And like you said, with a lot of the Democrats, they're trying to use the same methods of government and follow the same kinds of ideologies that they fled. And the Latino community, they see that. And they're seeing that the Republican Party right now is the party of freedom, of liberty, of being able to work, of not being forced to wear masks in areas when they can't even, uh, uh, when they can't even exercise their rights. So Latino communities, they are smart enough to see what's going on. Another thing I've been seeing as well with the with those communities that a lot of them they've been uh, affected by the current border crisis that the Biden administration has caused. So they're seeing how the cartels are being empowered by the amount of human trafficking, narcotics trafficking, and they're just seeing how their their communities are being heavily impacted, especially the border communities. You can see that with the election of uh, Maida Flores for uh, for uh, her Repub as a Republican uh, representative in Texas District 34, which was a Democrat stronghold for around 100 years. So the Latino community, they've been seeing all this happening and they've said enough is enough. Indeed. And it's kind of funny in a way, one, when you look at the Democrat leadership, they look like they've just smoked a cigar that had an explosive in it. You know, they're, they're they're actually stunned. They can't believe this data. They could always count on, traditionally, I would say, in the last several decades, that Latinos, by and large, uh, more or less, were going to vote Democrat. And this must be scaring the you-know-what out of them, that there is this very visible movement of what was once a base to take for granted, uh, giving up on the Democrats. 
Absolutely. And the Latino community has been seeing, especially recently, the Democrats do not care about them. They just they just use them as a platform to gain power. They don't really actually care to what these groups of people have to have to say or their waves of life. I mean, and they're starting to see that now that they're just being manipulated to vote for them. And like I said, they've been saying enough is enough, which is why they're seeing that the Republicans are actually representing them more. So they're starting to vote Republican now. And, you know, um, when we discussed how many of them fled Marxist regimes, they see how Marxist the Democrat Party is getting. And by the way, if anyone thinks that I'm exaggerating, please, I urge you, read Mark Levin's uh, most recent book, American Marxism. Uh, it is an incredible insight to what's going on in terms of the left in America right now. Um, so we do not exaggerate when it comes to that. It's more than being progressive. But what I loved about uh, Governor DeSantis, um, they're not f f um, <clears throat> fans of communism and they're not fans of wokeism either. He talked about you go to a Latina grandmother and you say uh, the word Latinx. Uh, she doesn't even know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what I'm, uh, what that means. I don't know where it came from. When I first heard Latinx one, I, I thought that was the Hispanic division of the Uncanny X-Men, for goodness sakes. Um, and again, it's political correctness uh, being foisted on people that have come to America to realize the American dream, and they don't want any part of that either. What are your thoughts on you know, the, the Latino community when it comes to wokeism and that ridiculous descriptor that I don't think anyone ever uses, which is Latinx. Well, David, uh, the Latino community, they are not falling for this wokeism. They're some of the most conservative and traditional groups of people around. And like you said, they'll be calling, uh, people will be trying to call them Latinx and they'll look at you like, something's wrong with you they don't they don't fall for that <laughs> and another thing um yeah and another thing i mean you could see how they were trying to uh with these woke politics they were trying to separate the family like black lives matter had in their mission statement that their goal was to get rid of the nuclear family yeah latinos are the most family oriented groups of people in the whole world when you say that you're gonna destroy the family they do not tolerate that at all Oh, I totally agree. Um, whether it's Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> which is a Marxist movement, well, when you peel back the onion skin there, whether it's radical transgenderism, this is all about the war on the nuclear family, the war on women. And like you said, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Juan, the Latino community uh, recognizes for what it is. And they've seen that movie before in places like Cuba and Venezuela, and they don't like how it ends. But switching gears, I have to say, I love the fact that Governor DeSantis gave you this interview, that he gives you straight talk, that he doesn't, you know, beat around the bush or use uh, $3 words to convey his thoughts. He, and, you know, it must be so wonderful living in a state where you have that man as a governor. Here in Ontario, we have a, allegedly a conservative premier, Doug Ford. I used to be welcomed with open arms to his events. He proposed a show for Rebel News. It's gone from that to if I show up to a Doug Ford event, I'm uh, threatened with arrest for trespass. So I guess what I'm saying is it is so good to see a conservative that is so open and means what he says and says what he means um, 
What is his popularity right now in the state of Florida, one? <clears throat> Governor DeSantis's popularity in Florida is very high. Now, a lot of rumors come out about the 2024 and many people saying that he plans to run. But a lot of people actually tell me that they would rather him stay and rerun as governor because they're afraid that they'll lose something really good with DeSantis. I mean, he's led this state to such a good position right now. And they're seeing with the amount of people that are moving to the state and the amount of people that were starting to vote Republican and favor freedom policies. That's one of the concerns that many people at first had with a lot of people moving in. They've been seeing states like Texas, where people from California and New York, they moved to cities like Austin and essentially turned the whole city blue. But in Florida, it's been the opposite. People have been moving from all these states and they have actually registered Republican. And they're, for the first time, there's more Republicans than Democrats in the state of Florida. And all these people, like I said, they're for freedom-loving policies. They want to be able to work. They don't want to go through any kinds of mandates. And they just they want to live their lives and they want to be free. And DeSantis has recognized that and he's done his best to be able to give that to the people. No, I, I agree with you, Juan. One last question. I mean, 2024, that's so far away in uh, political terms. That's an eternity a couple of years uh, from now. But November of this year will be here before we know it. The midterms. What's your gut feeling in terms of what's going on? It seems that there is so much despair and disgust over how the Biden administration is running the United States right now. You look at everything from gas prices, food prices, inflation, stagflation. Um, it's a different world under Biden than it was under Trump for so many reasons that we don't have time to get into. What do you think is going to happen come November 1? Well, I think for November, it's just going to be uh, a red wave because a lot of these people are seeing that the Democrats and the Biden administration is not having their back. They're essentially America last. And it's not just because of the open border crisis that's going on. It's not because of just the the rising gas prices and the failing economy. Actually, the news or com news is coming out that we're now in a recession and the Biden administration is trying to hide that and they're trying to make it. They're trying to make it seem like it's not a recession. So a lot of people, the main thing that's driving them to the Republican Party is the economy right now. When someone doesn't have enough money to fill up their, their gas tank in their car, they're going to see that. Yeah. No, 100 percent one. And I know what you're talking about in terms of the Biden administration saying it's not a recession when the definition of a recession is two negative quarters in a row which has occurred. And there, I don't know, they're trying to change the definition of a recession. Uh, but then again, this is uh, an administration that appointed a Supreme Court justice who was unable to define what a woman is. Huh, what a world. Juan, thank you for that, uh, for your time. It was a wonderful interview. I'm so glad uh, Governor DeSantis made time for you. And you have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you, David. Thank you. And that was Juan Mendoza in Miami. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. As you guys know, Dave Chappelle is no stranger to attempted cancellations. There was the famous Netflix walkout where they tried to stop his special from being aired. But now this week, Dave Chappelle was officially canceled on extremely short notice by a Minneapolis venue called First Avenue. And they gave a statement online about their reasoning. And we want to read just a little bit for you right now. 
The First Avenue team and you have worked hard to make our venues the safest spaces in the country, and we will continue with that mission, they say. We believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression. But in honoring that, we lost sight of the impact this would have. Strange words, and joining us now is a man who never mixes his words, is David Lucas, comedian touring all across the country. You can find him on podcasts and his own YouTube channel. How are you doing, David? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? Always good to talk to you. What's your first reaction to this? Last-minute cancellation by a venue for probably the biggest comedian in the country. Is this surprising to you? No, it's not surprising at all, man. Like, uh, what's going on right now started like 20 years ago uh, with that everybody gets a trophy mentality. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I've always been raised, if you're not first, you're last. Like, there's no such thing as second and third place. So, you know, parents being soft on kids and, and things like that is the product that we're seeing now it has definitely blossomed into these wonderful colored hair, silent majority people or whatever they like to call themselves. They like to be so mystique. Um, but the whole problem that I see with this is that the people that are, that are protesting him uh, coming to perform at um, First Avenue don't even go to comedy shows like when you go to comedy shows, those are, you know, uh, the real Americans, the ones that know the difference between a joke and someone trying to, you know, insinuate violence or cause violence or any type of ruckus. Like, no comedian ever says anything out of hatred or spite. So um, them saying that he's transphobic lets me know that they, don't, they didn't watch the special and they don't listen to anything of his. I can't remember the lady name, but he had a trans friend uh, who performed with him. Um, I don't think it was any type of, you know, virtue signaling or any type of gaslighting that he was doing. I just don't see, and I've, I've you know, hung around Chappelle and been around him several times. I just don't see him as a transphobic person. Now, um, in their statement, David, I mean, they, sorry, in their statement, they say diverse voices, freedom of artistic expression, but also this is a safe space. How do you think that they square the fact that they're supposed to allow uh, artistic expression, but also, you know, keep it safe for everybody. No one's allowed to be offended. Okay, so let me get this straight. The First Avenue venue in Minneapolis says it believes in diverse voices, but apparently not too diverse, mind you, lest that voice hurt the feelings of the trans nutter community, because it's all about creating a safe space, isn't it? A safe space? It's funny that the word safety now applies to words these days. I I mean, a safety issue at a comedy club, wouldn't that be, oh, I don't know, a downed electrical wire? Not jokes that the lunatic fringe would consider offensive. Oh, and one last thing. If you take offense to being offended, then steer clear of a comedy show. Because in my experience, the funniest jokes also tend to be the most offensive jokes. And joining me now is Rebel News funny man and Yacht Rock Radio presenter, high energy, Andrew Chapados. How you doing, Andrew? <laughs> I'm doing great, David. Thank you. And I'd like everybody to know that I was forced to wear a suit jacket for this <laughs> by David Menzies. <laughs> don't let him fool you. He runs a tight ship. In any event, Andrew, here's what I don't get. The members of the transgender community and their various allies They are demanding to be accepted as equals. They want to be just like everybody else. But then they say, wait a second, you can't make jokes about us. 
you know, you can't offend us. Uh, you can't make us hurt uh, or hurtful. Here's the deal. If you are going to be a full equal, then you are fair game for a joke. You cannot be a sacred cow, but they seem to want it both ways. What say you, my friend? David, I say that there aren't actually any inequalities that this group of people are facing. Um, the main argument these days that's going on is one to have the ability for children to change genders or to have uh, gender affirming care, as they call it, which means transgender surgeries and, of course, hormones and all of that. And whilst that might not be as easy to get done in some places in North America, it is easier to get done in other places. Mm -hmm. And it comes at the cost of this whole argument comes at the cost of people being committed for crimes if they don't you know, align with what their small child may say. There's a famous case that Dre Humphrey covered in British Columbia where a man was jailed for not um, adhering to his daughter's pronouns, I believe it was. Yes. So to act as if this is some sort of human rights campaign or some grave violation of somebody's rights uh, by Dave Chappelle saying jokes that they don't like is not even in the realm of what the argument is about because they're not actually missing any rights. They're actually getting preferential treatment in many uh, specific cases. So to try to relate this as if they're, you know, former slave class or people who have been in interned in some way. That's what the comparison is attempted to be like. So that it it's so sensitive that you can't make any jokes. If we were in, you know, uh, the, the 1940s in Canada and uh, Japanese people were being interned, it would make a lot of sense that you shouldn't disparage them it, uh, if you were found to be at fault for that. And, th and that's the type of comparison I feel like this community wants to make. Of course, it's not all of them. I'm sure it's probably a small minority, but they want people to believe that they're so disparaged that even making jokes about them is what contributes to their high rate of suicide or their high rate of, uh, of gender confusion. But Andrew, here's the deal. Why is it, and I think this is the biggest question of all, why is this radical lunatic fringe, and uh, I mean it, we're, when you're talking about the radical transgender community, it's 0.00000 infinity, 1%. Mm -hmm. Why is it they're getting their way? Why is it that a venue, uh, because of uh, a few cranks outside, cancels Dave Chappelle? Why does, you know, we talked about this uh, earlier this month, why does um, Bud Light put gender pronouns on their cans in celebration of Pride Month and not even Labatt, which brews the stuff, knows what they mean? But it seems that we are forever bending the knee. We are forever acquiescing to, like I said, a, a lunatic fringe. Why? Well, David, in this instance with the Avenue, I believe it was called, it was actually workers refusing to come into work. So they said that- Oh, then you're fired. We're not, exactly. Yeah. They said we're not gonna <laughs> come in and therefore there'd be no show anyways. Um, but of course you can't take the blame off the venue either because then they put out this letter that says, you know, we just want to be a safe space for everybody. So my point is that these are people working at these companies that are causing this. It's not from some vast outrage of the people, I don't feel like. Yes, there's protesters at every one of these events, but they amassed to what? Disney was able to get like 200 people and that's a gigantic company working out of California. And it, have, having worked in public relations for a few years um, before my foray into news, David Menzies. Um, I can tell you that these are the things that these type of people believe. You have most often young women who work in these marketing and public relations department, and they don't want to be offensive. They don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. They don't want to be 
be mean to anybody, and they don't think that there's any repercussions. They don't believe that there's any downside to just being inclusive. They don't, they don't look at the bigger picture, and what that ends up being is, you know what, we should you know make sure we're more inclusive, even though this counts for such a tiny fraction of our audience, and in most cases, probably not the audience at all, if you're talking about somebody exactly. like Budweiser or something like that. A hundred percent. You know, it's so saddening to me, Andrew. I think 80-plus years ago, you had 15-year-old boys lying about their age so that they could sign up and be a soldier and go off to Europe and fight in World War II. Now, on university campuses, if somebody misgenders you by accident, you need grief counseling. Um, I just can't believe a couple of generations have gone by where we've gone from that kind of heroism. Of course, that was described, I think, aptly so as the greatest generation to what we have today. Um, people that in a different decade wouldn't be celebrated, but might be incarcerated in a mental institution. I'm sorry, there's no other way to, to say it. I mean, why is it that people are so afraid to speak the truth? I think it comes from afraid of a of being afraid of a job loss or some sort of social ramifications where you can't get a, an, any sort of employment further down the line. Because what groups like this do, and the same thing goes for a racial identitarian groups, is they realize through some sort of communist methodology that they can't just come out and be like, um, give us all this. They have to find and seize power, which is what you see in so many municipalities, even around where we live in Toronto and the uh, greater Toronto area. It starts at a city council le level where they get in and they say, well, we need more equity in and inclusion. Yep. And then they start off with events. And then it goes, well, we needed a full-time person in that position. And that pos person is not there to make everything better. That person is there to institute their ideology. And then it goes further and further up. As you can see in the Canadian government, we have this sort of thing, whether it's uh, for climate change or equity and inclusion, until it filters down into all of these different institutions, which are run by, or whether it's directly or by donors, people with these same ideologies. And you could argue that it comes from other places too, to try to infect the populace with some sort of ideology that will take it uh, take down the country and its culture. That would be more so like from a Chinese or a Russian point of view, where they just meddle in with a country to try to cripple it from the inside. You see that with TikTok, for example. So I, I think that it comes from all these different places, but at a root cause in North America, let's say, it comes from people wanting to get money and power so that they can change the system, which they say see as evil or racist. I think it's a little more than that, my friend. I think what we've seen in the last 50 or 60 years, perhaps, is um, basically an indoctrination process by those who subscribe to Marxism. And by that, I mean whether it's education, whether, uh, law enforcement, the courts, the politicians, universities, you name it. And basically, a major tenet of Marxism is you tear everything down and rebuild it as the Marxist utopia, which, of course, is unachievable, looking what uh, uh, has occurred in history when it comes to communist states. So I think that's a big part of the problem. But I want to go back you know, to the fact that um, your guest, uh, David Dave, Lucas, David Lucas, thank you. He mentioned that those demonstrators outside that venue, they weren't going to buy tickets to see Dave Chappelle. Lincoln J and I last year, we went to the Dave Chappelle concert at Scotiabank Arena. Absolutely SRO, sold right out, standing room only. And uh, so again, there was no reason 
uh, I mean, Scotiabank, uh, or not Scotiabank, sorry, uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment did the right thing, I thought, by sticking to their guns because they're under so much pressure. And they said, no, the show will go on. Well, you know what? The show did go on. And did that hurt MLSE in any way? No, of course not. So there's the template, whether it's the concert in Toronto, whether it's Netflix saying, no, uh, all you uh, uh, cranks out there, you know, we are going to televise this uh, comedy show. We have evidence that when you do not bend the knee and you take a firm stance, it's a winning strategy. For sure. And what they're trying to do is create the topple effect. Same thing if you want to go with um, how Alex Jones was cancelled, for example. You get one company, then another, and they all follow suit. But you're right, all it takes is one large company to show that people actually want to see these things. And the point David Lucas was making is that the fundamental misunderstanding of what content is in Dave Chappelle's stand-up specials or in his actual um, in-person stand-up is not the same as what they're portraying. So they clearly haven't watched it or they've watch yes. some sort of you know synopsis or read a summary of it, and it's c coming through a filter which has a heavy bias, and that is to say that they want Dave Chappelle canceled because he dares to make fun of people, which they, of course, equate to violence. And why do they do that? So that they can get money, power, and position. 100%. Well, it was a great interview, uh, great feedback well, uh, there, Andrew. And you know, folks, I, I mentioned that uh, visit uh, last year, Lincoln Jay and I had to the Scotiabank Arena. We were doing streeters. And what was uncanny was the fact that um, so many people did not want to talk to us. And they'd come up off camera and they'd say, listen, we love Dave Chappelle. We love Rebel News. They knew who we were. But the thing is, Dave, I run a business and if I'm seen on camera in support of this guy, the cancel culture mob might come after me and might put me out of business. And I ask you folks, is that really the kind of society you want to live in where people are scared to death to utter their opinion because this mob of cranks is going to actually give them an economic death sentence? Uh, it is despicable. So once again, let us all take a firm stance against this insanity. We'll be better off for it. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Vaughan, Ontario. And we're at the Vaughan Mills Shopping Mall. And just look at this turnout. Literally, as far as the eye can see, cars festooned with Canadian flags, with the flags of the Netherlands, the infamous F. Trudeau flags, of course. Yes, these people are here in solidarity of the Dutch farmers. Now, as you may know, we recently dispatched Lewis Brackpool and Lincoln Jay to the Netherlands to cover the Dutch farmer protest because you weren't going to hear the real story from mainstream media. And the real story is simply that under President Mark Rutte, well, he's declared war on nitrogen in the name of climate change. The only problem is, is nitrogen is an element that farmers need to grow their crops. And needless to say, the clawback will result in many Dutch farms, many of them multi-generational, going out of business. And really, for what? Virtue signaling? And if you think that's just a faraway issue in a faraway country, well, not really. The Justin Trudeau Liberals have proposed 
uh, a clawback of the amount of fertilizer that Canadian farmers can use. It's going to mean lower yields for the crops, lower profits for the farmers, higher prices for consumers, and of course, many farms here going out of business as well. And what's uh, worthy to note, folks, is that this recommendation didn't come from Agriculture Canada. No, it came from the Ministry of the Environment and Climate Change. Yeah, it's all about getting Canada uh, zero emissions by 2030. It's an impossible dream. And so that means really this is all about more virtue signaling. Canadians know the national anthem. They stand in silence to remember those who died for this country. But not every Canadian knows their rights and freedoms. The Freedom Passport will change that. It looks and feels like a Canadian passport, but contains the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in a portable, easy-to-read format. The Freedom Passport. Order one for yourself and for all the freedom lovers that you love at freedompassport.ca. People have a lot to say here. Let's see what they think of what's happening in the Netherlands and what could happen in Canada in the near future. We right now have the Trudeau Liberals proposing a plan to reduce fertilizer for our own farmers. It means lower yields, less profit, higher prices for me and you, likely more farms going out of business. Why? What's going on? Well, you see, you see the game plan playing out all across the world, in every country around the world. So people really have to ask themselves, do you really think it's a coincidence that this is happening in every country across the world? It's, it's an orchestrated effort to bring down Western society, and people just have to awaken to it. They, they don't need to be, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You just have to open your eyes and look at the information that's available. We know exactly what the plan that Trudeau has for us, which is the same plan that Mark Root has for the Netherlands, for the Dutch farmers. They want to remove all their farmland, or 50%, start off with 50% there. Trudeau's starting off with 30% here. No one's talking about all the farmland that's being bought up by China and uh, by Bill Gates. No one's talking about this. First of all, they're doing away with the nitrogen for the Dutch farmers, right, which is not good for them. That's why they're uprising. The same is going to happen here. Trudeau's going to do the same here in Canada. Correct. And then the farmers are going to uprise here too. In fact, all the people are going to uprise. Just, just in support of the farmers and everything that's going on around the world, uh, losing our rights and our freedoms, uh, first with the truckers and now the farmers. We've got to unite. We've got to stand together. Enough is enough. And that's why we're here. Well, that was the scene last Saturday in Vaughan as well over a thousand demonstrators took to the parking lot of the Vaughan Mills Shopping Centre to show their solidarity for the Dutch farmers and Canadian farmers for that matter as those insane anti-farm policies. They're headed to our great dominion as well if the Justin Trudeau Liberals get their way. In any event, you had plenty to say about these Canadian patriots standing up for the farmers of the Netherlands. Nancy Baumgartner writes, We need truckers and farmers. We do not need politicians and bureaucrats, period. Or how about this, Nancy? We could sure use smart politicians and hardworking bureaucrats 
who actually care about Canadians and this country, as opposed to backing virtue signaling policies that only make our lives increasingly miserable for us. Token Roach writes, truckers and farmers are the backbone to our survival. When I talk to someone who laughs when trying to wake them up, it makes me sad. Well, Token Roach, I can tell you this, in politics, no matter what the issue is, when a government declares war on the farmers, they always, always lose big time. Daskerman writes, support to all real everyday farmers, not one inch for Gates. Well, Daskerman, I assume you are referring to Mr. Bill Gates. And get this, Gates is currently the biggest owner of farmland in the United States. So while he's part of that elitist club advocating that we should be eating bugs, it looks like Gates and company prefer that their meat and veggies come from green acres. There's no way the likes of Klaus Schwab will be chomping into a mealworm sandwich in the near future, after all. <laughs> what a bunch of hypocrites. Steve Placido writes, was at the Vaughn Mills event, and it was great being with like-minded people, the number of people driving by that would stop and ask what it was all about, had no idea what was going on over in the Netherlands. Love Rebel News. Your service is invaluable to this country. Keep up the good fight. Well, Steve, first of all, thank you so much for your kind words. But this is truly distressing that you encountered so many people who were absolutely clueless about this particular issue. This is a big pet peeve of mine, namely the low-educated voter. It's that person who, you know, doesn't want to get involved in political stuff, even though it directly affects their lives. But, you know, talk to these people about, oh, Kim Kardashian's latest swimsuit, the one that's trending on Twitter. Wow, they'll blather on forever and ever. <laughs> Sad. And Joanne Fox writes, thank you, Rebel News. Without you, we would be stuck with propaganda and lies. Well, you are correct, Ms. Fox. The media watchdogs have devolved into the government's lapdogs. And with good reason, it is the Trudeau liberals that are increasingly subsidizing the media these days. And by the way, where or where was the CBC and CTV and Global, et cetera, et cetera, when the Vaughn Mills protest took place last Saturday? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. They were too busy writing stories pertaining to the joy of eating insects. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. Good night.